0: I'm Clinton Bound, and for 30 years I've been working across professional sport, business, and broadcast television. And I've been exploring reputation and the role that it plays in personal and professional lives. <laughs> reputation, it doesn't cost you anything until it costs you everything. Welcome to Reputation Matters, the podcast for leaders who want to unleash the power of reputation and brand. Well, today's guest is one hell of a human being. I knew him first as one of the most focused and determined young men I've ever met, fighting for his spot on an AFL list. Everything he did had purpose. That said, there's also so much kindness and care that he showed others. He was a man who welcomed the responsibility of leadership. He almost craved it. I'm talking about former Collingwood Football Club Premiership captain and now business innovator, leadership coach, and CEO at Eclair. Welcome, Nick Maxwell.
1: Hello, mate. How are you? That's a, uh, very nice of you to say all that. Um, appreciate you having
0: me on and looking forward to having a chat. Well, it's great to have you on Reputation Matters, Maxi, and I uh, I had the pleasure of working with you at Collingwood before you were captain, and then obviously saw your career progress into that senior role of being captain of the the biggest football club in Australia. Obviously, massive responsibility comes with that. But first, I'd just like to touch on Eclair and understand what that business is all about and, and what you're trying to create with with that. Yeah,
1: we've got uh, sort of high-end serviced offices, so um, private offices with meeting rooms, Zoom rooms, phone rooms, all that type of thing. Uh, But then we've also got a members-only bar, restaurant, cafe, dining room, event space, podcast studio and gym uh, in the same location. We're in Hawthorne East, their first one. Um, But more than anything, we're trying to build basically just like a, a sports club would, uh, a real culture and connection and um, bringing people together. So it's not just about the physical office, it's not about uh, transactional things, it's about actually bringing people together and supporting them and supporting employers with all the challenges, particularly with SMEs, which uh, we see at the moment, working with employees and trying to support them. So we run 46 free events a year uh, for our members. Uh, and those events are anything from what a Penfolds wine tasting this week. Uh, we've got a criminal psychologist next week who interviewed serial killers and and found out how they were targeting women and wrote a phd on it which uh, has become an education piece for the vic police and others um so we're always trying to look for different things that um that people will be interested in and then able to support them and again the collaboration element that comes into it is probably the thing that we wanted to happen but we didn't want to force so uh by introducing people and creating the right environment it's actually allowed a lot of our members uh to be able to work together and to be able to In business, but also to be able to support each other and bounce ideas
0: off each other. So, pretty exciting. And I wanted to take us back to when you were a, a young child and when you fell in love with the game. Obviously, it became a career for you, but just talk us through your earliest memories.
1: Probably the earliest memory I've got is the 89 grand final. So I was six uh, and I remember having a Hawthorne jumper on and mum and and dad hosted a big grand final party and obviously that game is one of the greatest of all time. So um, to be able to see the emotion of people around there, um, that was sort of the moment that I think my earliest memory of actually becoming that real obsession with football and from then on, uh, I just always had a football in my hand. I'd kick socks around the house and balloons around the house and whenever I could. So um, yeah, it was just something I loved and still uh, there's plenty of photos we've got of me always holding like my first Sharon that you'd polish up and take it to bed with you so um yeah it was I think a combination of barracking for Hawthorne and dad taking us up to Waverley and just loving the game and um as well as my local footy club St Joseph's footy club it was being able to play um for them growing up and then The older you get, you sort of get to a point where you'll play early in the morning and you'll hang around watch the reserves play and you'll watch the seniors play and um, just be there and be part of that sporting community. And uh, it's a club that's uh, really close to my heart. They guided me a lot uh, as a footballer, but also as a person with uh, the type of people that were there and um, the way that they treated people. So it's something that just kept growing as I
0: went. I think one of the great attributes I have seen in the leaders that I've worked with over my career is they never forget where they came from and understanding, particularly when they're engaging with the massive support that comes with being a professional athlete and understanding that they were once that little kid too. And I think that's just so important. Um, As a professional athlete, what do you think your reputation was? What did you think other people knew you for? Yeah, it's an interesting one because uh, there's there's a couple of layers
1: to it and obviously changes through time. But early on, I think there's probably an internal reputation and an external. And the internal for me was probably uh, worked hard, treated people well, um, was always looking out for his teammates, team first, understood the whole club and the role that everyone played within the club. I like to think that it wasn't just about football for me, that uh, everyone had a job to do and if I could support them, that I would want it to. Uh, and externally, was probably uh, is a limited player, who who won't be in the system for too long early on because I was just a rookie coming in and obviously had to Mm. fight pretty hard just to get a game. So I think that that all developed in time where um, even as a a football club, you start to show leadership attributes and people push you forward and you start to realise that you need to do more than just look after um, your game. You have to work on the whole team and understand everyone's role and what's required uh, as well as perform yourself. Uh, And then externally, And this is that probably leads into some of your other questions I'm sure around the reputation of an athlete is it's hard to um, control the narrative of who you are off the field. And for me, uh, people would see you for two hours uh, on a weekend and my job was to be hated. The opposition, I'm the captain of of Collingwood Footy Club. Like Everyone, as soon as that was named, there was 20 million people around the country hated me. So I think – all you can do is really go about your business and be um true to yep. yourself and who you are and that's what I tried to do and I think that uh having been retired for for a decade now um I've obviously done a lot of leadership talks I met a lot of people across that time and to have opposition supporters like regularly come up to me and go you know what I hated you and I voted against you when you're playing but um I respect how you went about it and now um what you're doing now uh just shows you in a different light so I think it's probably more of a message for, for those out there that the players are just going about their business and trying to do their job. So it's a bit different yeah. in Australia where we're not really barracking for a team. That's your, your country team. It happens every four years if it's the Olympics where you're barracking for a team or a World Cup or something. But we're still more um, looking at, if you look at NRL and AFL and some of the, the major um, sports within Australia, you'll barrack for a team, but then you sort of hate your position automatically. And, and the reputation of that is you're not really focused on it as much.
0: Um, yeah. So did you did you work on – you were a rookie in 2002 from memory. Did you – work on your personal brand or consciously think about your personal brand as you were trying to emerge into A firstly solidifying a place on a list and then B when you broke into the team, I think Ryan Loney it might have been took his place and then you went on from there and then and then when you progressed through to leadership roles, firstly as vice captain under Burnsy and then into that leadership role?
1: Not really. only real really thought about um what I what I needed to do. So for yep. to like for my team, what role I needed to play. I wasn't really thinking about how other people thought of me because yeah. I learned out pretty, I had an experience, um, I'd played about five games, uh, and I was living with Jeremy Clayton, who was at the Kangaroos. We'd come from North Direct together and yes. he, he, I'd gone home from a game. We'd had a win and it was on a website it was before social media called big footy. I don't know if it's still going on, oh. or not, but that was like the Twitter before there was Twitter. Um, and. Someone was bagging me and he, I said, what are you talking about? And I looked on it and, he, and I was like, positive, oh, that Maxwell kid looks all right. He could be all right. Yeah, this, he's shown a few things. And someone was just tearing off on me going, nah, no good. He's all this sort of stuff. And I scanned further down and got to the bottom and someone said, oh, I had your uh, exams go. And he goes, "I oh, know. they're only year 10 exams. They're not important. And I was like, oh, God, like you just don't know. There's a, a year 10 kid on the other end of that riding. He's mm-hmm. bagging me. And I'm like, I'm never going to let any of that worry me again because you just don't know who it is. And obviously we've seen since where people with their mates, they would jump on and set up Twitter accounts just to try and wind people up and do what they want to do. So um, I basically from that moment just went, you know what, I can only control what I can control uh, and that's yeah. how you treat people and how you go about your business. So um, I think probably what I did do is allow um, not reputation but, image and knowing that you're you're an afl footballer, i used that uh to try and help with some things i was passionate about around charity stuff so did a lot of work for make a wish foundation um, world animal protection uh and then later on the comedy foundation which was uh based through uh, one of my best mates who we lost um when a tree fell on him when he was uh camping so with with his family we set up a foundation to grant um, scholarships and bursaries um so i think without um i guess any talk, anyone knowing who you are and not having that, you couldn't do those type of things to the level that oh, I had an opportunity to do them to.
0: Yeah, and there, there is, you know, brand Nick Maxwell, and it's one of those things where whilst you might not have consciously been building it, there was that, as you say, there's the internal and the external, so there's maybe that which the supporters, when they go on a Saturday, but then internally what um, both the inner circle of players and then the outer circle of you know maybe sponsors and club people that understood who Nick was and what do you bring that 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 reputation that you had um how do you think that's affected um or influenced your personal brand now and and what's that allowed you to do um with your life post-footy
1: i think for a start it allows you to get your foot in the door so i can cold call a lot of people uh and or or, or contact them on linkedin or whatever it is and and they're interested straight away they're like oh hang on so they're either calling or supporter that, yep, I'll, I'll take this conversation or I'll get back to this email, or they're not, but they know someone who is or they or they might think, I'm just interested in hearing what he's talking about. So because um, you've got that profile, it allows you to just get that foot in the door. You still obviously need a quality product to be able to put forward. You need to know what their business is and how you have a potential to help or support them. Um, and ultimately, they need to believe in you because I think that's the biggest thing is that um, even with ECLA, we talk to our staff around, we could anyone could really repeat a, a beautiful fit out like we have in the high-end technology and all that um, it, it's damn hard to do, but they can repeat it. what you can't repeat is actually the people and how you make people feel and how you make them feel supported and that's why our staff are so critical and, and the way we go about um, trying to use um, the hospitality infused stuff that we do in our in our meeting rooms and in our uh, offices uh, really servicing people as well as we possibly can so, you can literally sit there at your desk, log onto the app and order a coffee to your desk. Um, and we make sure that we've got yeah, great service all
0: the time. So that's something that's really front of mind for us. What I love about that, Nick, is the the concept of trust. So um, I, uh, I worked this model where in reputation, in the middle of that dynamic sits trust and um, the, your clients, your customers trust in the service that will be provided. Um, when I look back on um, the careers of athletes, one thing I find really interesting around a captain is that um, there's actions and words which build a reputation and in many athletes only get to really dimensions decisions because they're seen on the field, whereas a captain gets the full gamut of words because they get to communicate um, the club and the playing group. So I'm interested in this notion of trust and and um, how important you think it is to reputation and and uh, and how if there might have been ways you consciously or unconsciously built trust either as a player or now in in your working life.
1: Well, it's absolutely critical. It's, I think it's everything, uh, and I, I think the way you build is through just doing what you say you're going to do. So that's the biggest thing for me is that if we commit to something, we're going to do it. Um, that's probably a lesson I learned back when I spoke about um Michael Carmody Foundation. Um that was uh where was it? It was like fifteen years ago now, sixteen years ago and um he asked me to go to his school uh in finals and see the Year Ten boys, his year ten coordinator and just spend a spend a couple of hours with them over um his about footy day. I said, Yeah, no worries, you think about three months later and um I went and we'd had a really rough night the night before where my or something like my daughter was uh, up all night or something, and we didn't sleep, and uh, it was a day off. And my wife just said, well, like it'll be fine. he will understand that you need some sleep. And you were at a game in a couple of days and all that. I said, yeah, he would he would have understood, but I said I was going to do it, and so I'm going to do it. I don't want to let it down. So I went there and spent and a half, two hours with him, and he had the perfect balance between banter and respect that you have, love like with a manager or a teacher or a coach. Uh, and it was so good to see him in action, and that was the last time I threw him alive. And if I had have cancelled that or so I had have made an excuse, then I would never have that memory of that happening. Now, this is an absolute extreme that we're talking about in something like that. But um, I just think that you don't realise how much you're going to let someone down when they've put a plan in place for you. So it's, yeah. it's going to be something pretty serious for me to cancel something or, or to um, forego something when I've committed to it. So I think that that's a trust that um, I just believe is is critical. I do Do what you say you're going to do and... Um, and also I get in trouble a lot with my wife where, um, something will happen where someone will, someone someone uh, confided me about something and she'll find out a few months later and I'll say, yeah, I know. And didn't tell her and she'll go, well, what do you mean you didn't tell me? I said, well, I'm sorry, but if someone says to me, this is between us, it's between us. And, uh, yeah, yeah that happens yeah. quite often because, um, again, if someone confides in you and they trust you, then, uh, I just find that breaking that trust is just like one of the most
0: critical things. Yeah, and I think um, the greater the, the trust at the centre of that reputation wheel, I think the greater the reputation um, it's uh, been seen so many times. Um, just in closing, um, hindsight, you know, someone who might be transitioning from one space to another, you'll transition from a, a young, yeah. emerging, uh, aspiring athlete to an athlete and then your post-career. Um, are there any thoughts or um, any of uh, any, um Any suggestions you might give to someone who's trying to take their reputation from uh, one space to another?
1: Yeah, I think for a start, it comes down to your identity. So as an athlete, uh, your identity and your value is usually tied into you as an athlete. So if you think about it, football, for example, they've basically been one of the best players in their team the whole way through. And people will say, even off the cuff, oh, you'll, you'll play AFL one day, or you'll play AFL one day. Uh, the reality is not many get that opportunity, uh, and I think it's 4% play 200 games. So you can be in our system pretty quick. So uh, there's players that were a ton, uh, miles better than what I was, um, but for whatever reason, they just it didn't happen for. It might be injury, it might be just situational. So um, I think that you need you, you need to be who you are. So Nick Maxwell, who plays football, not Nick Maxwell, the footballer. It can't be, they have to be two different things. So your identity and who you are, they can't be tied up together. So every single athlete has an expiry date on their career. And unfortunately, it's not the side of a milk carton sitting to the side where you can go, all right, July 3, 2024 – You don't know when that's going to happen. It could happen tomorrow when you have a a knee injury that you never come back from. So um, you got to understand there's a lot of living to do post-career as an athlete. So probably number one is around your identity and understanding that that's going to end at some stage. So what else are you working on for time after football or after your life as an athlete? Because there's a lot more work to do, so something you're passionate about outside. And that could be study or experience, whatever it is. And the second one is take... uh, Take the opportunities that are presented to you where you walk into a room for sponsors and there is tens, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars in that room. Uh, you've got to do all these appearances. Don't go and sit in the corner. Like, Get out there and actually speak to people and learn from them and understand what they do and who they are. And I think you're in such a fishbowl when you're an athlete that you just have no idea about what else is out there. So going and learning from these people, and I can guarantee all these big sponsors and these um, people that have been really successful in business – when a young athlete comes up to them and introduce, shakes their hand, introduces them, asks, and they're interested in who they are and what they do, as a business person, you're like, geez, like, this kid switched on. I want to actually keep an eye on this kid. And then like, even with a follow-up, oh, do you mind if I grab a coffee with you one day, et cetera? Like, all those things help. That's building your brand for a start amongst yeah. around these type of people, but also 99% of the population don't get that opportunity. So while you have that opportunity, um, make the most of it and get amongst it and try and, uh, and learn from all these people out there. But you have to have the mindset and understanding for a start to go, this won't last forever. This could end at any time. And if you haven't got that mindset, I see players come out all the time and they're just completely lost. And that's where the real challenge is. And that's why um, I'm on the board of the Collingwood Foundation and we do a lot of work on um, with the club on trying to help players transition, but also trying to help while they're still at the club Um, which is a really difficult one, even from a club perspective, because you want them to play football and and be the best footballer they can be. We want that as well. But at the same time, we understand it can't last forever. So how can we sort of balance that out?
0: I remember um, standing on top of, I think it was Mount Humphrey in Flagstaff, Arizona, going back to 2006 maybe, and you you never know what's ahead. And four years later, um, you're a premiership captain and you're changing the history of the greatest football club in Australia and making so many people happy. Um, But what makes me so happy is to see what happens then down the track in now 2024 and seeing this amazing business that you've built the continued network of people that you bring into your world uh, and the way that you use your reputation for the power of good um, and most importantly that you put your family first and you've chosen a path that allows you to be the dad you want to be and the, the husband you, you you need to be so mate, it's been great to catch up with you. thanks so much for your time thanks not appreciate Thanks for joining me, Clinton Bound, on Reputation Matters, the podcast for leaders who want to unleash the power of reputation and brand. If you enjoyed the podcast, remember to like and subscribe. Leave a comment and share with others in your network. Reputation Matters is about exploring and understanding why reputation matters so much and helping leaders better understand how they can drive their own narrative. So, if reputation matters to you, let's connect. Sign up to my newsletter at clintonbound.com and connect via LinkedIn forward slash clintonbound. I look forward to catching you next time on Reputation Matters.